Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Gist is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Casper mattresses come with free delivery and returns within a 100-day period. And get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com gist and using the promo code gist. The following podcast contains explicit language. Wednesday, January 6th, 2016 from Slate. It's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. Twitter has intimated, and can you really expect Twitter to spell anything out? There's only 140 characters, right? So they've hinted that they want to expand from 140 characters to just a scotch over 140 to about 10,000 characters. According to Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, who is also the CEO of another huge tech company named Square, he also plays bass for Boniver. He does double shifts at his co-op and has been tapped to head draft operations for the Cleveland Browns. Anyway, Jack, oh, Jack Dorsey's also way too handsome, which makes me suspicious, like that former Argentinian economics minister, Axel Kisilov. Hey, how's the peso, bro? Know what I'm saying here? Anyway, Jack Dorsey says he likes 140 characters. He says it is a beautiful constraint, quote, and he says, quote, it inspires brevity and creativity. Now, it forces brevity and that inspires creativity. It also inspires misspelling, though sometimes that's a blessing because you could blame Twitter on the fact that you were engaged in a number of misspellings. Take, for instance, MLB pitcher Roy Halladay, who was tweeting in advance of the Baseball Hall of Fame announcements. He tweeted, when you use PEDs, you admit you're not good enough to compete fairly. Our nation's pastime should have higher standards. No Clemens, no Bonds. All right. Now, in that tweet, your was spelled Y-O-U-R, and Nations was spelled without an apostrophe, which would seem to make Roy Halladay have more control over the backdoor slider than basic grammar. On the other hand, every sentence ended with an exclamation, and he put an unnecessary space between past and time in past time. So Occam's Razor says Roy Halladay knows more about Amos Strunk and Roy White than William Strunk and E.B. White. Twitter's stock, back to them, was hammered after the announcement, but the S&P was down a little too. Who knows? We can't really read that much into it. Twitter users didn't like the announcement. Then again, social media company changes the way it does business. Users grouse. That is not what I call news. Personally, I prefer less characters or fewer characters if I want to appeal to both William and Amos Lightning Strunk. Lightning Strunk patrolled Scheib Park for the Philadelphia Athletics under Connie Mack, by the way. I prefer fewer characters in my tweets, on Game of Thrones, in Dickens novels, just fewer characters in general. And I do think brevity is the soul of wit. 
that has been said that brevity is the soul of wit. It's also been said that overabundance and disregard for economy of language is the enemy of the jaunty riposte or the well-constructed bon mot. But no one ever quotes that part. You want to know why? Because brevity is the soul of wit. Twitter's a great site. I find it necessary. I tweet at P-E-S-C-A-M-I or follow Slate Gist. But Twitter doesn't make much money. It's not a great business. So I get why Dorsey is pursuing new strategies. You know, 140, that's, that's a box. It's a 5.19 by 5.19 by 5.19 box if you use the formula for the area of a cube. So they could go longer or they could pursue other ideas. They call it Project 140. Like I say, they should just sell users an extra character for a penny, but cap it at 200. People deposit some money in your Twitter account, and you could draw it down over time. You know, we'll hear the complaints. Oh my God, I wasted millions putting a superfluous space between past and time every time. We understand. Or how about instead of longer tweets, how about bigger fonts, right? Not 140 characters, 140 point fonts. That'd get attention. Or if you know Jack Dorsey, And if you personally hire him to pet sit or tutor your daughter in Spanish or be your life coach, then you get an extra five characters right there. Because you know how there's a baker's dozen? Well, there's 140, and then there's the Dorsey 140. He has a little extra to throw around. Plus, he's qualified and he's eager to serve with your organization in a high-paced and demanding field. But the big reason why I'm against 140 characters is everything that you've heard, everything, Every digression into Roy Holiday tweets, every discussion about center fielders from the dead ball era. I invoked the name of a former Argentinian finance minister. And you know what? If you transcribe everything I said, I don't even come close to 5,000 characters. So right about now, 140 sounds good, doesn't it? If not, well, later on in the show, we have a spiel. I go longer there. I tell you the biggest news that you need to worry about in the world today. It might surprise you, or you just might be hiding under a couch. But first, Maria Konnikova and I don't have a lot of time, so we're going to do the best exercise possible. Is it a kettlebell? Is it throwing around a tire? Just wait. Stretch first. It's the new year, and so you've probably made a resolution, a resolution, say, to shed some weight to get to the gym. And in that spirit, I give you the 1864 Handbook of Calisthenics and Gymnastics, as prepared by J. Madison Watson. I shall read from the preface. Believing that physical culture may be secured more expeditiously and profitably in its entirety than in shreds and patches, the author has aimed to make this a complete gymnastic drill book with words and commands and classes of movements systematically arranged, embracing all necessary exercises for the lungs, voice, the organs of speech, the joints, the sinews, and the muscles. Are your sinews and muscles aligning correctly? Are you using P90X? or yoga, or Pilates, or the combo of those two, the Pilo class. Yeah, my gym offers a Pilo class. Let's go through them one by one and ask, not only does this work, not only what's going to shed the most weight, but is that bullshit? Joining us now is Maria Konnikova. She is fresh off a 10K fun run. She is the author of The Confidence Game and Mastermind, How to Think Like Sherlock Holmes. Hello, Maria. Hello, Mike. You know, there was a time when people used to just think, you do a couple sit-ups, you do a couple push-ups, maybe a Hiawatha thrust or two. And things were good, but now you can't. You Mike, can't what's a Hiawatha thrust? One Hiawatha thrust, two Hiawatha thrusts. And, but now there's all these new ways of, of doing gymnastics and calisthenics and 
getting your sweat on. Let's let's talk about some of them, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, one is yoga. It's not a new way at all. It's no, an old way. It's a very old way. Mind-body connection. Absolutely. What do we know about yoga? It's pretty popular. It yeah. was popularized by a Russian, of uh-huh. all people. Mm-hmm. It came out of India. And there are lots of different types of yoga. And the yoga that we're doing today, mostly in the United States, has very little in common with the yoga that was practiced in olden times by yogis. It's very interesting, first of all, that we even have it in this conversation. It was never seen as exercise. Yeah. It was a practice of, as you say, mind and body, meditation, something that was supposed to be for the spirit and that focused more on those types of inner alignment things, chakras, et cetera, than can I get fit and can I lose weight? But, you know, have they done studies? What's the question they even ask when they do studies on does yoga make you fit? I guess something like does it help in weight loss as co- as compared to aerobic exercise does it help in building well, muscle have they so so this? that's that's a fascinating question that you ask when you say compared to aerobic exercise because the sad truth is that we have precious few if any studies that compare these various types of methods. So we have studies of yoga's efficacy, Mm -hmm. for instance, in nursing homes or in just different populations, even at a gym. But it's not, we don't have a study that will look at people who go to a yoga class versus people who go to a CrossFit Mm -hmm. versus people who practice Tai Chi. So instead, what you have is yoga versus nothing. Yeah. But I think what practitioners of yoga would say is that's not the point. We shouldn't be comparing yoga to CrossFit. All It all depends, and I think this is a key question, on what do you want to accomplish with the exercise that you're doing? Right. And who are you? What's your physical strength level? By the way, the reason that a lot of yoga studies have been done in nursing homes is because balance and flexibility, huge, so that you don't fall and break your hip. Right. <laughs> Being able to complete the Tough Mudder course, not as not important. Not so much. So speaking of the Tough Mudder, P90X, CrossFit, <laughs> these are, let's throw a couple kettlebells around, mm-hmm. maybe a tire, let's go under something. As far as I can tell, there are kind of two schools of exercise. Okay. And we're putting aside three schools if you include the yoga, Pilates, kind of stretching yeah. type of exercise. And have they ever done, let's handle Pilates, have they done studies on Pilates? Sure, the same ones they've done with yoga. And they find pretty much the same thing? Yeah. Stretching's good, helps Yeah, except Pilates, yes, except it doesn't have the meditation aspect. If you put all of those aside, you have your regular aerobic exercise, Mm -hmm. and that can be more or less intense, and you have a lot of new things that are basically the same old aerobic exercise with a few twists put in, like Zumba Mm -hmm. and all of those classes. That's the robot that cleans your room for you, as I understand it? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got one for Christmas. So that's one group of exercise. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is the high-intensity training. Okay. Um, And the high-intensity training encompasses things like CrossFit, like P90X, all of those programs that really basically push you to the limit, whose MO is we're going to make you suffer because... Only through suffering is a true man-made yeah. or woman. Huh. That's funny. That's a Buddhist uh, philosophy, <laughs> right? So, um, so we have those two different schools. So let's lump them together. People are going to get mad at me okay. for doing that because 
CrossFit aficionados will say, no, we're totally not like P90X, and P90X but will say, we're no totally But if there are no studies not. differentiating them, it's right. not your fault for it's just not, talking it's about It's not my fault, know. no. Yes. So what we know is, one, your level of fitness going into this is hugely important because the level of injuries and in high-intensity exercise is higher than it is in other types of exercise. However, it also depends on how fit you were beforehand. So if you're someone who basically your New Year's resolution is to get fit, mm -hmm. and so what do you do? You haven't exercised for two years, but you go to a cross, join a CrossFit gym. That's probably not a very good place to start. By the way, that's one difference between P90X and CrossFit. P90X is a set program. CrossFit can vary from person to person, which actually is good because you need exercise programs need to have individual variation because people are not the same. They don't respond to exercise in the same way. Right. So that is that is one way in, in which they're different. And you know P90X is hard. I mean, the letter they chose, aside from the P, is an X. Yes. And that's an intense letter. Absolutely. That's like there are some letters, like if it was the P90F, who cares? <laughs> but, you know, the X, that gets associated with military aircraft and performance cars. Mm -hmm. You throw an X in there. Yes. Yeah. So in diesel movies. <laughs> so we know several things. We do know that it does help. And there are some studies that show that 10 weeks of CrossFit can do really awesome things for things like VO2 max, which is your which is your oxygen uptake, I your gotta, maximal I gotta get that measured. Your maximal oxygen capacity. Yeah. And that is related to athletic performance and the body fat composition does go down uh -huh. in a 10-week CrossFit training. Once again, though, we're not comparing CrossFit against other types of exercise. That does not exist. Mm -hmm. That type of study has not been done. However, there's also data that shows if you don't do it right, the injury rates might be quite high. Mm -hmm. So there was one study that showed injury rates among CrossFit athletes that were as high as 73%, 7% of which required hospitalization. Um, so that's not very good. Yeah. Another study showed about a 20% injury rate, which is much lower. And those were in different, obviously, populations. The U.S. military is really interested in these. And so a lot of these studies have been done in the Army because they want to know, is this a good way to train our soldiers? And the data are inconclusive. They don't know. They don't know, but they've been told. Yeah, they don't CrossFit know, but training they've been told. training will stave off getting old. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. We know this about the Army. Whatever <laughs> exercise they do, there has to be a cadence involved. Yeah. This is true. All right. So the question is going to be phrased this way. CrossFit versus P90X versus Pilates versus Zumba versus Tai Chi versus yoga. Some are better than others. Is that bullshit? Well, it depends on your definition of better. Some are definitely better than others for certain things. Like I'm guessing no one would, would say that CrossFit has any meditative mm -hmm. properties. However, there's not enough data that actually compares them that we can say they're all good individually and separate in different things. They're all bad individually in different ways, but we can't compare them and say this is better than that. Well, we do know that, you know, some form of physical activity is necessary, yes? Absolutely. Exercise is very good. If you can get yourself to exercise at slightly higher frequencies, longer lengths of time, or higher intensities, all of that is better than nothing. So walking is better than sitting. If you run a few times a week, even better, or speed walk. So everyone is different, and different exercise works for different people. 
And one of the reasons that's true is that one of the most important things is that it has to be something you enjoy and that you stick to. Yes. Because if it's an exercise program that you take on as a New Year's resolution and you last for two months, that's not an effective exercise program. They say, they always say swimming's the best exercise. It's easy on the joints. It's great cardiovascular. Still haven't found out how to read the newspaper while I do it. So I can't stick to it. That's exactly right. Maria Konnikova is the author of The Confidence Game and Mastermind How to Think Like Sherlock Holmes. The Confidence Game out in stores soon. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Mike. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Those are a lot of words, but let me not speak of words or speak with words. Actually, I'm going to have to speak with words. I want to speak of feelings. I want to speak of that that pillowy feeling, that beautiful feeling of rest. And what makes you more rested than a hybrid of premium latex foam and memory foam? Well, what makes you truly rested is the knowledge that you have paid the best price for this. So mattresses, they cost $1,500, right? A Casper mattress starts off at $500 for a twin size, a little more for a twin XL, a little more for a folk size, but up to $950 for a king. I mean, they're so much cheaper than the competition. They're made from this combination of different types of foam. And here's the best thing. It's risk-free. They offer free delivery and returns within a 100-day period. That's, what can you lose? Try a mattress for free for 99 days. An obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. They're made in America, by the way. Get $50 off any mattress by visiting casper.com slash gist and using gist as the promo code. Terms and conditions apply. And now the spiel, my trouble with trouble. Maybe you haven't noticed there's a lot of trouble in the world. Like this. Sectarian tensions between Muslim arch-rivals Saudi Arabia and Iran and their regional allies exploded into fury after Riyadh executed a leading Shiite cleric. And of course, there's this. Pyongyang says it has conducted a successful nuclear test. That is according to the North Korea state news agency, which confirmed this was a hydrogen test, a hydrogen bomb test. Oh, and let's not forget about ISIS. ISIS is always good for something. They're converting a missile from a jet fighter and making it into a surface-to-air missile. There's a heat-seeking warhead. It can take out a passenger jet. 99% of the time, these missiles hit their targets. Okay. Let's go in order. Iran, Saudis, sure, it's troubling. The U.S. is finding in general that when you're a big and huge and prosperous and comfortable country, you have a lot to lose. The wins and losses of international politics is calculated a little differently when you have almost all the chips. I mean, you might think in general that your enemies' losses are your gains. Well, think about how that's going in the world today as regards the U.S. Libya, Gaddafi was our enemy. He's gone. What have we gained? Assad in Syria. He has had to deal with a revolution for years now. It has definitely weakened him. But the resulting chaos also weakens the U.S. Then you get the Saudis and the Iranians. One is a despotic, oppressive, backward, sexist funder of militants and an exporter of their particular brand of Islam via region-destabilizing proxies. Wait, did I say one was? No, both are, but one is our enemy. Weirdly, it's the one that doesn't produce the great filmmakers and the good cuisine. Okay, not weirdly. Saudi Arabia, 
aligns, more or less aligns with U.S. interests. I get it. I do think I would rather be born into Iranian society than Saudi Arabian society, just randomly born into society, as the political philosopher John Rawls used to tell us to think about. It's an interesting question. Maybe we'll pursue it. But as far as the current tension, it is troubling, but it's not the worst thing going on in the world. It could be something that leads to a destabilizing other thing that could be bad, but oil's going to stay cheap. Now, let's go to North Korea. There's an expression, turning lemons into lemonade. North Korea seemed to have turned an earthquake into an H-bomb. That is some David Copperfield-esque stuff. Can we bring back that announcement? All right. In it, Don Lemon says or implies something pretty silly, but you know he's Don Lemon. We've learned to make Don Lemonade. That is according to the North Korea State News Agency, which confirmed this was a hydrogen test. I like how he said the North Korean news agency confirms. Yes, in between confirming that their president hit another hole in one. I would look for a second. You know what? Even a third source. Pretty much no one in the world flat out believes the North Koreans. They're not saying it's definitely a lie. Just that the North Koreans are pretty unbelievable. They're pretty technologically backwards. H-bombs are pretty hard to make. They're a country that can't pull off a consistently successful coffee maker. In fact, recently they sent their super patriotic version of the Spice Girls to their greatest ally. That is the Moribong Band. They wear skimpy outfits as they extol the great leader. They went to the Beijing airport. They boarded a flight whose departure was delayed for seven hours, according to the BBC. And then the trip was just off. That's really weird. All right, let's move on to ISIS. All the ISIS stuff. I went with that thing about the plane. I could have gone with ISIS threatening a Libyan oil refinery. I could have gone with the fact that the newest ISIS executioner is a former British bouncy castle salesman. I guess he's looking to bring about the bouncy caliphate. ISIS is scary. They're always scary, but they're not the scariest. They're not potentially the most important. The story that I think fits that description is this. It is about weapons, but not Korea's. It is about Iran, but not as relates to the Saudis. It's that the Obama administration last week told Congress it was going to slap new sanctions on the Iranians because they were conducting ballistic missile tests of violation of the UN. And the Iranians said, we don't care. In fact, Iranian President Hassan Rouhani said on Thursday he was so incensed that the U.S. was going to give sanctions that he instructed the military to do more with their missile program, quote, in terms of range and accuracy. And what did the U.S. do? Nothing. Pretty much nothing. The Obama administration so badly wants its deal to go through about nuclear weapons that its hands are tied. And the Iranians know this. This is clearly a great deal for Iran. They really are running circles around the U.S. It doesn't mean it's a bad deal for us, but it's just so clear that the Iranians are handing us our lunch and we're saying, can we have the garlicky hummus, please? Anyway, it's a bad thing. It's a troublesome thing, not just in terms of U.S. prestige or U.S. credibility, but in terms of the actual number of very dangerous missiles controlled by the Iranians. That story kind of faded. I guess there's just a sense of what can the U.S. do? Hasn't done anything. That's not the definition of news. But to me, this is the most troubling thing going on if you are a U.S. news consumer and if you are looking for something to be troubled by. If you are looking for news not to be troubled by, however, I leave you with this. They're adding four new elements to the periodic table and two new dogs to the American Kennel Club. So thank you, Wireless Terrier, and thank you, Sologi. 
That's it for today's show. Just producer Andrea Salenzi prefers to go by Ununatrinium or Element 113. Just executive producer Andy Bowers has insisted we call him Ununpentium or Element 115. The Gist is on Facebook at facebook.com slash slate gist. Or you could look us up as Ununseptium or Ununoctium, Elements 117 and 118. Umperu de peru du peru, and thanks for listening.